episode number 174 from the WSOP. Welcome to the Heads Up Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton, and thank you for tuning in. I've got a little extra episode for you here. Um, just, uh, I want to throw out a, maybe two a week, or maybe more, maybe less, while I'm out here in the WSOP. may not necessarily come out every Monday, but, uh, you know, uh, there'll probably be a couple extra episodes here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and this was one of them. I guess I uh, just wanted to get my uh, thoughts down. A uh, little update on 6-4 Spades. Uh, thank you guys for all the retweets, all the Facebook shares, all that stuff. Um, the owner uh, called me. Uh, everything's all good. You guys can withdraw and you can get your money delivered to your house in the form of a cashier's check or a money order. So, problem solved. Um, this episode I recorded two days ago and um, uh, we're throwing it up now. Um, and, uh, so without further ado, enjoy. Welcome to the Heads Up Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton, and thank you for tuning in. I'm coming to you from my brother's spare bedroom in Las Vegas, Nevada. I've played, uh, four tournaments so far. Today is Wednesday the 13th. Thought I would throw out a little episode, uh, for you guys to kind of catch up on stuff for the uh, most exciting time in the year. It's not Christmas. It's uh, during the WSOP. I uh, I was playing the uh, the first one I played was at the Golden Nugget. And uh, it was, uh, I think, a 250 buy-in. And I came back from my first break. And uh, <laughs> a guy uh, stopped me and asked me as I was running back to my table. He said, are you Steve Barton? And I said kind of confused yeah and he's all i heard you talking at the other table and then i realized i know that voice i listen to him every time i'm in the car driving i'm like oh that's awesome uh craig so uh you know thank you for uh uh thank you for you know recognizing and uh that was that was kind of a that, that was a neat moment for me um I was just a little thrown off because I was just coming back from the bathroom and I was looking up at the tournament clock and it had 34 seconds and counting down before i had to be in my seat and i uh just didn't expect that at all. So I'm glad you liked the show and uh, thanks for listening, man. Um, I uh, I had an interesting thing happen to me. I ended up uh, begging that first tournament, uh, the one at um, uh, Golden Nugget. And the next day, uh, I had a family barbecue at uh, six o'clock at my brother's house. And so I, uh, I couldn't go and play one of the 12 or 14 hour tournaments like I normally do. So I went and bought into a little turbo. Uh, it was $120 buy-in and you know, I'm trying to, I got, uh, I got second into the thing and I can't remember what casino it was at. Um, it might've been South. No, it wasn't South point. Whatever. It's not important. Uh, anyhow, uh, <laughs> in these low buy-in tournaments, it was pretty impressive to me, um, about the level of fun players that you're actually playing against. Here's, here's one example. I tweeted about this. Some of you may have seen it. Uh, player A versus player B. Uh, player A bets, player A, uh, player A bets, and player B raises enough to put player A all in. Player A shoves all in for less, and then player B folds. Dealer pushes the pot <laughs> to player A, 
and no one at the table batted an eye. So basically what happened was one guy raised, the flop came out, one guy bet, uh, the other guy raised enough to put the other guy all in, so he shoves his chips in, and then the other guy just tosses in his cards with two cards to come. So what happened here was everyone wasn't able to read the stack size. Because he had a whole bunch of black 100 chips piled up in the back, it looked like a big stack, but it was actually only about 10 or 11 big blinds when the original racer, or when the uh, re-raiser had about 30. Uh, so that's some of the level that you could be playing at when you're playing these little uh, little turbo events. It was, um, that was fun. <laughs> I ended up uh, getting uh, second in that one. I went heads up with um, with a lady. I had played with her. We started with 33 people and we're down to heads up. And I'd been playing with her at the table when she first, uh, when we first started, then it broke. And then at the final table and she was, uh, probably about 70 years old. Um, she actually had two glasses on instead of wearing bifocals. She said she got vertigo, so she couldn't do bifocals. So she had like big glasses on for seeing the flop. And then she had little tiny reading glasses on, uh, in front of those to read her cards. So she'd been playing very tight the whole time. Uh, I never saw her raise or anything when she didn't have it. And all of a sudden we get down to heads up and it took me about seven or eight minutes. I mean, at least 10 hands to realize that she was raising every single button and she'd completely changed her game. This lady was actually pretty good at playing heads up, but visually looking at a 70 year old grandma wearing two glasses, it doesn't compute with what you're seeing, you know? So it took me a while to realize that. Uh, finally I, uh, uh, snapped out of it out of seven or eight minutes, realized she was raising every button. And then I started re-raising her. Um, and we played for about 45 minutes and she, um, she only limped three buttons. She never open folded the button. So, uh, it, she was really, really good. I finally got, uh, got it in with her. Um, and I got an ace nine versus uh, ace five. Uh, she had me covered and uh five hit and then that was uh gg but uh yeah it was a fun little uh little match uh got a few hundred bucks from it and um i think i got 700 something minus the buy-in maybe six six and change uh but um yeah so that was fun then i played another tournament uh bageled that one and then last night uh was pretty awesome uh about noon I played a tournament at the win four hundred dollar buy-in uh three hundred thirty three people we played for 12 hours, uh, the top 35 cashed, and I got all the way down to 10th. I just bubbled the final table. Top, uh, first place up top was 27K. Carlos was there railing me the whole time because this was his 1% free roll from winning the uh, WWMA uh, 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 contest we had, at, I think it was episode 164, what would Mike answer? And uh, so Carlos got uh, $22 out of this one because I scored uh, for about 2200 bucks. So, so far the trip has uh, been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been profitable. I'm taking a day off today. I thought I'd shoot out a little uh, podcast. Then I got to go out and run some errands and uh, I'll probably meet up with a poker player or two for, for a beer or dinner. After, uh, after I uh, got knocked out of the tournament... It was interesting because I was playing with a couple of guys. Um, they were from the Middle East. They're from, uh, pardon me, guys, if I butcher your names, I believe it's uh, Eli and Raj. And um, they're from Lebanon, but they live out of Dubai. They're in IT, but they're, they really like poker. And they're both uh, 
very, very good amateurs. And one of them, initially, I wasn't sure if he was a pro or not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they played very, very well. And it was interesting because after the tournament, uh, they sat down and we talked about it and they were asking me if, uh, if, if I spotted any tells on them or what, uh, what I could, uh, you know, what I saw that they could do to improve. Uh, so Eli, I told him first and foremost about the, uh, push fold chart. You guys know that one, the Jennifer, uh, push fold chart. If you want it or you haven't heard me talk about it before, then, uh, you know, shoot me an email, headsuppoker.poker. And, um, head, I'm sorry, headsuppokerpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll, I'll shoot you a link or uh, hit me up on Twitter. Um, but uh, I did spot a tell on one of them. And this is something that I learned from Zach Elwood and his videos. And it, it was very good that I spotted it because it, I might have gone bust. Uh, I at least would have lost a significant amount of chips. Um he opened from the cutoff, Raj did. And when he looked at his cards, and this is important to not look at your hand until you, um, and, until it's your turn to act. Look at the players ahead of you and watch what they look like when they look at their cards. 95% of the time, you're going to pick up nothing. But uh, 5% of the time, you'll get some sort of semblance of strong or weak or marginal. And this time, he did something that I've seen before. Um, and the corners of his mouth just went down just a little bit. So he was in the cutoff. He looks at his cards. He raised the same amount that he did every other time, but it was kind of, if you can picture someone acting disappointed when they're really not. Okay. Why would you act disappointed and then raise your cards? Right. Why would you do that? So folks to me, I'm in the, uh, 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 the button folds, I'm in the small blind, and I look down at ace-10 offsuit. And normally, this is just a fist pump three bet. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I mean, especially against him, an active opener. But something just didn't feel right. Why would he look at his cards, act disappointed, and then raise? Right? So, I take a minute, but I know the move is folding. I fold, and the big blind folds. And then Raj shows ace-ace. So, keep that in mind. If you guys want to see examples of this, you can uh, go to headsuppoker.poker. Zach Elwood's products are all there. Um, it'll take you straight to his uh, Amazon link to buy his books. Um, or you can get his uh, uh, video series. I highly, highly recommend it. I've watched the video series twice. Um, oh, and I also want to give a, a, a shout-out and a thank you to you guys that are using the Amazon link. Those... Uh, uh, you can go to headsuppoker.poker and you click on the support us tab and just bookmark us for Amazon. And anything you purchase on Amazon, it won't cost you any extra, but a few percent will get pick, kicked back towards the podcast and we keep this train running. So thank you guys for doing that. Uh, I'm going to be playing the 1K double stack. I'm either going to play Saturday or Sunday. I think I'm going to play Saturday the 16th uh, because uh, it's... I think a four or five day event and if i play sunday and make day two then um i will um i'll never get a break but if i play saturday and make day two then i'll have sunday off to i don't know chill and then i start the grind day two three and four uh so i think i'll play saturday uh thank you again to mike he bought 15 percent. alex got 10 percent, and right after that uh, episode aired uh terry and kevin both bought up 10%. So thank you guys. That's 45% sold. And I'm going to just call that good. 
Uh, there's a, I said a, you know, 50%, but what I'm going to do with that extra 5% is, um, you guys know all the proceeds from this show go to the scholarship at the end of the year. So I'll throw that extra 5%, uh, if we cash towards the, uh, uh, bankroll of the, uh, scholarship, uh, for next year. Uh, so that'll go to that. Uh, if I do, uh, I feel like I should say if I do hit over a 5k score, um, we got to report it as income. Um, I know how to play the tax game, although I haven't played it with, uh, with the poker aspect of it, but I've talked to my CPA about this and, um, I'm confident we can get us a very good, uh, tax deal should, uh, should we, uh, uh, cash big. I had an interesting hand come up, uh, at, uh, let's see, it was the 400 at the Aria. I bubbled that, uh, the top 15 paid. I got, I guess it wasn't quite a bubble. I think I got 24th, something like that. Um, I, uh, I had 19 big blinds. Uh, there was a lady, um, and I was in the big blind. There was a lady, she was, a a bigger lady. She was in a black dress. Um, and she had, they weren't like high heels, but they were not like comfortable shoes. You know, they were kind of, they were up a little bit. Um, she said that she was partying the night before. She was a white lady, blonde hair, probably 40 to 45 years old. Um, and, uh, just to me seemed like a real amateur. And the one thing that set that off was when, uh, she was on the button a couple rotations before the dealer was getting ready to deal out the cards. And then she stood up and I assumed she was going to the bathroom, but she basically stood up when it was her button. Um, and then walked about 15 or 20 feet away from the table and then waited for her cards to be folded and then walked back. And I was like, uh, okay, I, I can't ever imagine a scenario where someone would want to do that. I don't, I don't understand why <laughs> she would just let her button fold like that, especially when she had no reason to, I, well, she must have had some reason, but I don't know what it was. So anyways, that was this lady. She seemed, uh, um, fairly, uh, she would kind of limp anytime someone would raise after that, she'd usually fold, uh, just kind of weak passive. Um, I'd seen her raise a couple of times and then she folded to either a donk lead or she check folded after that. So that's the history we have on her. We have uh, 19 big blinds. She, uh, raises the button. I look down at ace five offsuit, which has great blocker value. Uh, from what we know of this lady, she's, um, when she's raised before, then she's been passive in folding. So we rip it. And, uh, when she doesn't snap me off, you know, that's, that's good. Um, so I'm thinking she's got, um, you know, some kind of marginal, uh, hand, maybe something like King Jack or, you know, as time is going by, cause I could see the clock right behind her and I got my sunglasses on so she can't see exactly where I'm looking, but I'm watching the clock and it's been about 30 seconds and, um, you know, I'm starting to think, uh, huh, well, this could be a King 10 or this could be an Ace 9 decision, you know, or this could be like a uh, pocket threes or something. As more time is going by, I'm thinking uh, there are a few hands that would take this long that uh, that I don't want to call like Ace 9, Ace 8, stuff like that. Uh, pocket sixes, uh, pocket sixes would probably, ah, she's kind of tight. She had, we had 19 uh, big blinds. She had about uh, 40. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm thinking, eh, I guess I wouldn't really mind a call here. You know, if we can get into like a 65, 35, you know, we could bump this up to 45 big blinds with the uh, annies and everything and make a real run, you know? Um, I'm just about to start talking her into a fold and, uh, just 
just in case she's got one of those ace nine hands, you know, we'll pick up an extra two and a half uh, blinds right here and be up to 21 and a half. Um, and then she calls and she has pocket queens. So, <laughs> GG, uh, not sure why she took a minute and a half to call with uh, pocket queens. I don't think she was slow rolling me. Um, but, uh, maybe in that spot, if she's tanking that long with Queens, I could be shoving any two cards and it just doesn't matter. I don't know. <laughs> it was just a strange hand, a uh, strange hand. But, uh, yeah, I talked to a guy yesterday who played with me in that tournament and with that lady. He ended up getting seventh in that tournament when I went out 24th. And he said that she took him out later on and he's, he said that she was a very good player. And this guy that was telling me that, uh, he, he was a decent player himself. I played with him yesterday. I actually knocked him out yesterday, but, um, he, uh, he was a pretty decent player. So maybe this lady was actually good. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that whole button, uh, show was, cause I wasn't the only one that noticed it. Maybe that whole button show was just to throw us off. Um, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book right now. Um, I can't remember the author, but it's called Win Bigley and uh, Scott something. Um, He's the author of uh, the Dilbert uh, comics. And he predicted that Trump would win before he actually did. And he did it because he could see Trump was very, very good at persuasion. And persuasion matters more than actual fact. Alex Fitzgerald recommended this book to me. He said it was really good. I'm about, I don't know, um, a tenth of the way through it. And it he's right. It is good. And I think it applies to poker because... One section that I just um, listened to, he's describing that when you see something, uh, it can override the other senses. In other words, if you're seeing um, uh, one thing, but what you're hearing is something the opposite, uh, you're going to believe what you see and not what you hear. So if you have a guy right in front of you that's yelling and screaming, but the words he's saying are... I like you a lot. I want to buy you a beer. You're going to uh, take the visual interpretation that he's angry and you're about to get punched over what the words that he's actually saying. And there's an effect for this. And it's called the McGurk effect. And you can see a visual representation of it if you just type in McGurk effect. And it's M-C-G-U-R-K effect. If you uh, pause this and just Google it, you can watch a two-minute video on a guy and he's basically saying the word bah, uh, B-A, bah, bah, bah. But then they, they let you listen to that a few times. And then they change the video and they have the same sound bah, B-A, but the movement of his mouth is fa with an F-A. So as I say it over the radio now, you hear bah and fa, B-A and F-A. But if you're visually watching it and the mouth is moving, you don't hear uh, what the sound that's coming through is ba, B-A, but what you actually hear and see is fa, F-A. So I think that may have happened a little bit uh, in the last few days that, like with the grandma, that, <laughs> that was aggressive on the, uh, on the button and tough to play heads up. The visual representation of what I was seeing was not corresponding with what she was actually doing. Uh, and this lady uh, that said she was out partying the night before and she got up from her button, maybe she was actually a really good player. And this was the facade that she put on so that uh, we wouldn't know. I don't know. Maybe she tank called with those uh, queens. 
to give the impression to everyone at the table that she wasn't good. And if that was the case, it certainly worked. Well, I have to run out and run some errands. i got to get a haircut and uh, do some shopping and stuff. Um, if you guys are going to be out here, be sure to hit me up on Twitter, at uh, H-U-P Podcast, or hit me up, Heads Up Poker Podcast at gmail.com, and uh, I'll shoot you my phone number, and we can uh, meet up for a beer or something. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you guys for being here each and every week. I wanted to throw out an extra little episode because I'm not sure what's going to be going on with uh, uh, if I run deep in the uh, double stack, then I may not have time to record a podcast, but uh, I'm hoping to get together. Alex is uh, coming into uh, town. Alex Venosis, uh, I just got off the phone with him right before I recorded this. He's driving in uh, from Oceanside to uh, Vegas. He'd been on the road about half an hour, so Alex will be here today. And um, yeah, we're going to have the TPE meetup. The date is set. It's going to be June 22nd at 8 p.m. at PT's Pub, where we have it every year. The place is awesome. It's a little dive bar where you stand outside and you got to ring the doorbell so they'll unlock it magnetically for you. Uh, it's at uh, 48. I'm selling this place down the road, but it really is awesome. Um, 4825 West Flamingo Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89103. Um, beer, food shuffleboard pool and uh just good company so hope to see you guys there don't forget if you join tpe use the code hup month hup quarter and hup year to get your discount and uh get your free seven minute tilt buster by elliot rowe i've been listening to him every single day and uh so far i've cashed in uh two out of four tournaments um i'm up almost two grand I really think it has something to do with having a routine. He may not be the only reason I'm winning. It's probably because I've been studying this game for a decade. I get coaching. I coach other players. I do the podcast. But I do know for certain that it is important to have a warm-up routine before you play to get your mind right. And I can think of no better way than to use Elliot Rowe, which I have and do use <laughs> for the years since I started this show. Thank you for tuning in. And here is your weekly motivational speech. When you know within yourself that there's something you want to do, and I believe that all of us were born with a purpose, that all of us have something that we are supposed to do, that all of us have some goodness within us, and that goodness gives us a responsibility to manifest our greatness. And when you know that, you can feel it in your guts, and you know that you're deliberately operating below your potential, you've gotten comfortable, you stop expanding, you stop stretching, you stop challenging yourself. Let me share something else with you. Not only is it possible for you to have your dream, but it's necessary. It's necessary that you have it, that you work on it, that you develop yourself, that you go for what is yours in the universe. I was in my comfort zone. I was doing just enough to get by. I was working on a job. They paid me just enough to keep me from quitting. And I worked just hard enough to keep from getting fired. How many know people like that? Blink your eyes if you understand what I'm talking about. I was parked. I knew I could do more. But when my mama died, it took something out of me. When I went through a divorce, it took something out of me. When, when my best friend died, it took something out of me I parked and somebody said that life is like an onion you have to peel it one layer at a time and sometimes you cry life's gonna happen to you when you have a dream you're gonna get slapped around 
and don't take it personal. Don't ask, why did this have to happen to me? Why not you? Who would you suggest? You want to give us some names, some email addresses? And don't tell everybody, 80% don't care and 20% glad is you. It's called life. Suck it up and move on. Get over it.